if the strike never ends, we're starting that Patreon. <laughs> and in OnlyFans, I'm doing everything. How can we incorporate Dawson's Creek into an OnlyFans? Dawson's Crack. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 201, The Kiss. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. From our summer hiatus. Living our best life. But I'm so excited to be back because when I tell you that I had an alarming amount of this episode memorized just from like 25-year muscle memory, it just came back. I had almost the whole thing memorized. So this is definitely an episode. It might be the most rewatched episode for me, I think. Season two is an amazing season and this episode kicks it off. I know. They all look different and oh yeah. They really do. They all grew into themselves. That was like a thing in the 90s and 2000s when shows came back. Like everyone who looked different or got their summer haircuts. <laughs> yeah. And then trying to hide the summer haircuts. <laughs> the summer glow ups were always interesting to watch. I think all four went through them in this hiatus, but I mean, Katie Holmes looks the same and she always looks great. Yeah, the other three big time. The other three look very different. What's the Dawson's drink? The Dawson's drink this week is the grounds for divorce. (laughs) Starting the season on a very bright note. It is one and a half ounces of rye, three quarters of an ounce of Kirschwasser, a quarter ounce of Chinar, and half an ounce of Amaro. To be completely honest with you, I'm still sourcing these ingredients, so I haven't had it yet, but it sounds amazing to me. Wow. D is for divorce. (laughs) D is for many things, but divorce is one of them. Death. (laughs) So we are drinking D is for divorce because of Mitch and Gail. No, we're not. We're drinking grounds for divorce. That is called D is for divorce. (laughs) Oh, so we're... We're drinking grounds for divorce, obviously, because of the Mitch and Gale of it all. Mitch is contemplating divorce, so he is not forgiven. He's not in a great place, Mitch, honestly. Something changed from when we saw them crying on the porch, or crying in the kitchen, rather. Crying in the kitchen, not on the porch. Not on the porch. So something's changed. Mitch isn't moving on. Yeah, he's having a hard time. He loves her, and he hates her in equal measure, and he's not quite sure what to do. Because cheating is grounds for divorce. (laughs) All right, so I'll jump right into the recap then. Let's do it. We pick up the season two premiere right where we left off last season in Dawson's bedroom, with Dawson and Joey sharing their first kiss to actually the same song that was playing in the final moments of the finale. The two of them are at first wowed by their passionate kiss, but soon the gravity and the awkwardness of the situation sets in and they start second-guessing everything that happened. She thinks he regrets it, he thinks she regrets it, and they decide to just sleep on it for the night, alone, not together. And Joey heads for the window, but Dawson grabs her and says, don't you dare think about climbing through that window. And he lays another kiss on her. So the next morning, Joey and Dawson wake up separately, smiles on their faces. They're both in heaven. Dawson ends up confiding in Pacey about the kiss while the two of them get haircuts. And Joey opens up to her sister, Bessie, about it while they're fixing their family truck. So it's a really well done and cute sequence where we're cutting back and forth between the two conversations and each one picks up where the other scene left off. So Pacey and Bessie have a lot of questions and Dawson and Joey don't really have any answers for either of them. 
Dawson confirms that it was just a kiss and no thingamajigs were involved. And Pacey's being his usually witty self, and he says he can't believe that Dawson and Joey have kissed already. He thought they were going to drag it out for at least a couple more years. Sam and Diane didn't get together at least four years, and Mulder and Scully haven't even kissed yet. And Bessie bursts Joey's bubble by asking what this kiss means about France. Is she going to stay or is she going to go? So later that day at school, Joey tells Dawson that she turned down Paris in order to stay with him, and the two of them celebrate. They decide to go on a date to the Rialto because it's having its final show that evening. And Joey says, I don't know. I have plans. I hear Luke Perry's back on 90210. But they decide to give the whole date thing a try. And they're interrupted by Jen in the hall who tells them that her grandfather died last night. Jen runs off and Dawson leaves Joey to go and comfort Jen. And Dawson tells Jen that she shouldn't just wait around all day. She should try to get out of the house. And Bessie, meanwhile, and Joey talk about how the first kiss is important and everything, but it's all about passion. And the second kiss, that's the rational one. That's the one you really think about. So that one actually means more to Bessie. So Dawson boats right up to Joey's dock with his big motor energy. He's wearing his best sweater vest, and he picks her up and brings her a flower, and they head off to the movie theater, which Dawson says is being torn down. So Jen ends up showing up at the theater and sits right next to them, crashing their date. And she totally misconstrued what Dawson said when he said that she should get out of the house. She thought that he was inviting her. So she gets upset. She leaves. Dawson says, you know, I just want to be friends. And it leads to a horrible fight between them where Jen is doubting her existence and why she's even in Cape Side or on the earth even. So Pacey, meanwhile, feels so emboldened by Joey and Dawson getting together finally that he feels like he can do anything. It's time to leave the old Pacey Witter, town loser and pride behind and become Pacey Witter, badass stud, man about town. And it all starts with him frosting his tips, and he's going to pursue Capeside High hottie Christy Livingstone. But when he's on his way to talk to her, he ends up crashing his brother's squad car into Andy McPhee's car, and she's a new student who just moved to Capeside. So she mistakes him for an officer because he's in the squad car, and she calls him Officer Pacey. And he totally runs with this, and he asks her driver's license, etc. And he kind of tortures her and teases her, saying he can revoke her driver's license and he could take her to jail right then, but he decides to let her off with the warning. So later at school, Andy and Pacey run into each other, and she realizes that he's not a police officer, he's a student, and he totally tricked her. And she threatens to turn him into the police for impersonating an officer, and he says, good luck with that because my dad is the town sheriff. She says she's been having anxiety attacks all morning. And between this scene and the car crash scene, we really get a good look into Andy and see that she's very anxious. She's very neurotic. She's a chatterbox. And they have a really funny exchange where he says he frosted his tips to get to know Christy better. And Andy says that she's actually already met Christy and she's glad to set up an introduction between Pacey and Christy. So Andy does this. And Pacey asks Christy out on a date and she agrees. But when she shows up for the date, she reveals that she has a boyfriend and she only came because she felt really bad for Pacey because of his heart stripe, which is a fictional condition Andy made up to get back at Pacey for posing as an officer. So Pacey and Andy have a moment at the end of the episode where he admits defeat and he says it's time to go back to the old Pacey, the black sheep, the loser, the brunette. And Andy agrees that he should absolutely go back to being a brunette. So Jen, meanwhile, is a little perturbed that Grams is already packing up Grams' clothes to give to less fortunate because he just died yesterday. And Grams says that he's been in a coma for almost two years and it got to the point where she wasn't praying for his recovery anymore. She was praying for his release. So she's been ready for this for a long time. After Jen and Dawson's fight that we mentioned earlier, Jen and Grams end up comforting each other at the empty movie theater where they say they're each other's best friend. And, you know, Grams says she came here tonight because she wanted to be with him. This was the location of their first date her and Grams. So it's a nice little moment between Jen and Grams there. Now, when it comes to Mitch and Gail, 
Gail is very determined to get their sex life off the ground again. And Mitch is dodging her like he really does not want to be intimate with her. And he later visits a divorce lawyer to figure out what his options are. So Gail finds this out and she confronts him. And he says that he doesn't know what to do because he loves and hates Gail equally in equal measure. And he just doesn't know which one to go with. And she asks, do you want a divorce? Do you want the easy way out? Do you want to become another statistics? Or do you want to stay here and work on it? And Mitch says that he honestly doesn't know. So meanwhile, Dawson catches up to Joey after his big fight with Jen. And he finally finds her. She had left the movie theater. He chased her. And the two of them have a frank discussion where she tells him she didn't go to France because it would be like running away. And she has every reason to run away. But she decided to stay and confront everything head on. No matter how complicated their friendship was, it's nothing compared to whatever is going on between them is bound to be. Dawson says... There's some French stuff in Cape Side, like a French kiss, and the two finally have their second kiss at the swing set. And Dawson says that this is going to be so simple. You'll see. A lot happened in this episode. You know, I want the recaps to be concise, but there were no corners to cut. Everything was too important. Absolutely. Well, this episode was written by John Harmon Feldman, who we know from last season. He had his hands across five episodes last season, either written by, co-written, or story by. And he writes two episodes this season. He, as a refresher, was the creator of No Ordinary Family. He also was showrunner on a show called Blood and Oil, Monarch, and Designated Survivor, which apparently had four showrunners across the run of it. He was one of the four. And he's one of the leading voices of Dawson season one. So it's nice to have him back. This episode was directed by David Semmel, who also directed the finale. He directed two episodes last season, and he will direct seven episodes this season. So this is not the last time we will see him. He has directed episodes of the show Silo for Apple TV, which is currently on the air. I've heard really good things about it. And looking in the upcoming section of his IMDb page, he is attached as a director and producer for a show called Blank, which is created by Trey Calloway, who wrote I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. So all roads lead back to Dawson's. Wow. I will say, so I love this season. Season two, it really might be my favorite season. So David Semmel, if he directed that many... Yeah. He really had a hand in a big part of that. Yeah, Making season two so successful, which is something I didn't realize until right now. And I feel like with the amount of moving pieces and parts and storylines in this episode, the directing was really great. There were a couple of shots that I really liked. I felt like the emotion was all there. It was great. I agree. This was a very cinematic episode. It felt more, it just had a different look. Yeah. Part of the reason that this episode felt so different, shall we do a guest cast shout out? Let's get a shout out. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow, bow. This person is actually main cast, but it's the first time that we meet her. I think our guest cast shout out is Meredith Monroe, who plays Andy McPhee. An icon. An icon. A legend. Honestly, I think in a lot of ways, Andy is my favorite character. I just love her. She is... Obviously, we're not there yet, but she becomes such a well-developed character. You see so many sides of Andy McPhee. She is with us for, I think it's something like 69 or 70 episodes total. So this is just the start of her journey, but a lot happens to and with Andy, and she's wonderful. I love her. Yeah, it's a pretty good arc for her over the three seasons. And when I think about Dawson's Creek, I include her and another character that we'll meet next episode as part of the main cast. So it's great to see her face. 
great to see her face. I didn't know if you were going to give it to Meredith Monroe or Allie Larder. I know. Allie, it is. It was also good to see Allie Larder. And it's funny to see Allie Larder and James Vanderbeek together because this is the summer after Varsity Blues. Yeah. I know because I wanted to do, talk about what they all did that summer. Obviously, he did Varsity Blues. And I think like his hair looks darker than last season. So I think they made his hair dark for Varsity Blues. Yeah. So it was that summer. I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, Meredith Monroe has a ton of credits. She most recently for me popped up on 13 Reasons Why. I was like, whoa, Andy McPhee. Wait, who'd she play? I think she plays the mother of one of the kids, not obviously the main mother. The main mother was played by Grace Anatomy, his wife. Why I'm am I blanking? Kate. Kate. <laughs> yep. Yep. Walsh. You got it. So, oh, yes. Yeah, so- I think you maybe have seen her in that okay keep going what else what else she also had an arc on criminal minds she had an arc on heart of dixie which i did not watch heart of dixie did you no what when you, you said because i don't want to interrupt you but when you said she had an arc on i freaking knew you were going to say criminal minds or csi <laughs> i just knew it who hasn't was her most recent stint 13 reasons why did you watch that whole show i only watched the first season oh lord i even made it past that I don't know. It was dark. That suicide scene, really. You think so? <laughs> What's a lot. Do you think that was dark? <laughs> yes. 13 Reasons Why is her most recent thing. I'll cast her on something if I ever get anything made. If the strike ever ends. If the strike never ends, <laughs> we're starting that Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and in OnlyFans, I'm doing everything. <laughs> How can we incorporate Dawson's Creek into an OnlyFans? Dawson's Crack. <laughs> So Meredith Monroe is amazing. Ellie Larder is great as well, but she's not getting guest cast shout out. <laughs> well, the parameters are one person. We will give Ellie Larder a shout out, but it will not be a guest cast shout out. Yeah. Well. Music moments. So many good ones. So many good ones. What stood out to you? Have a little faith in me by oh. John Hyatt. Is that hers? Mm-hmm. It plays when Dawson and Joey are at the swing set and they're about to have their second kiss. And he's taking her and being like, this is, the you know, we have French fries and we have French kiss. And it's a very cute moment. I am not team Dawson and Joey, but it is super cute. Yeah, they were really cute this episode, I thought. Yeah, I agree. A touch of the annoying neuroses in the opening, oh. but it kind mm-hmm. of leveled up. I really liked Out of My Head by Fastball, which is in the little mm-hmm. morning after montage and the back and forth intercut scene with Joey and Bessie and Pacey and Dawson. And also, yeah, when they're all getting out of bed and Dawson and Joey are so happy. So cute. Also, the one other song that I want to shout out. I have been to like four fish shows in my life. (laughs) I did not start really listening to fish until after this. And they play a fish song when Pacey comes out with his frosted tips and gets in the cop car. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a real groove. It's funny to me. I would never put fish and Dawson's Creek together in my brain. So when it popped up, I was like, whoa. Well, there's also that really good song. Also, the music moment when Dawson rows up or drives up in the boat. It's Heather Nova. I think it's called uh, Nothing Heals Me Like You Do. Nothing Hears Me Like You Do. According to this list, it's called London Rain. London Rain. Yes, yes, yes. That was a really good song. And then the opening song again was the same as the finale song, which was Beth Neal Chapman. Beth Nielsen Chapman, yeah. Say goodnight. Nielsen. Say goodnight. Knock goodbye. Beautiful. Yeah, we literally picked up where we left off. Sidebar, I used to lose my crap when shows would do that. 
picked up right where the cliffhanger left off. That like blew my mind. It's my favorite thing. That's awesome. And my favorite as someone now on the producer side is when you know that you're coming back for the next season and you know that you're going to do it that way because you can shoot it all in one and not have to deal with Dawson's had to deal with, which can be my past versus present. Actually, I never really noticed before how different like Dawson looks so different <laughs> in that opening scene. It's supposed to be exactly the same time. He had cut his hair in the off season, like we said already, and they had to put on, I don't think it's a full wig. I think they tried to put extensions in, but it's just not working for me this time around. I was like, in the, oh. In the cold open. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they had to make it look like it was exactly the same time, but that's why Pacey and Dawson's first interaction is at a hair salon. As producer, writer, here's how I envision this going down. They broke episode one. They had it mainly in place. Someone got in touch with the producer of the show, the UPM or the line producer. And he was like, you know, James had to dye his hair this summer for a movie. He's varsity blues. He's a brunette in that. So I imagine they were like, we need to write this in or address it. Or so they were like, okay, so act one, scene one needs to be a haircut scene. Yeah. (laughs) So for the cold open that takes place that night, they must adjust. Or do you think it was a wig? I mean, could have been a wig. I thought it was a wig. Honestly, when I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, he's wearing a wig. But then in looking it up, it, an article that I read said that it was hair extensions. But I, I don't I don't know. Who knows? I know those writers got like a panicked call, like work James's weird hair in. And they were like, we can't. The first scene takes place the night of the finale. Yeah. And it's like the one person that one of the two people, it would be like Katie Holmes shaving her head. Yes. But did you notice Jen's hair throughout the whole thing? Yeah, definitely. Big time. The yeah. the three of them. So I also read that Joshua Jackson, this was the summer that he did Cruel Intentions. And so his hair was actually yes. blonde. And so he frosts his tips in this episode. And then Jen, Jen has a massive haircut. And you'll see it in the main title sequence. But they just pin it up. <laughs> they just pin <laughs> it up. So they must have. Do you think they gave her a wig or extensions and then put it up? Because it's obviously a little longer. You think that's the length? I do. do you I think, think that they, they added any. I don't think they did. I think that they just took little sections and twisted it and pinned it so that it looked <laughs> like more hair. So for people who are literally not watching the show and just listening to the podcast, she had shoulder length hair last season. Mm-hmm. She's known for having a shorter looks in the past, but this is the season where she has her, she has like basically like when Felicity cut her hair or just like short mm-hmm. curls kind of all season. But in this episode, the actress clearly had that short haircut and they were trying to convince us that this is how Jen would look the day after we last saw her. So they literally just pin up her hair the whole episode, which I think they pulled it off. I don't think I noticed it all the first time around. Also, I thought that I feel like Jen really grew into herself. I feel like her face filled out a little bit. I feel like she had this like confidence. I'm sure that came with the success of the show. I don't know. I was I really liked in this episode so this is the season where jen is peak villain bitchy kind of character Mm -hmm. and i think they did a really good job of setting that up in this episode because dawson says we should just be friends and she says oh my god you know i went from being your girl next door to your girlfriend to the love interest to this that now i'm just you know the third wheel and she just realizes I think in the context of Cape Side, especially how pathetic she feels and she doesn't really recognize herself. So she's going through this existential crisis, which lasts the whole season. But mm-hmm. she kind of starts to dabble in her old New York City self and she's a little bitchier. Yeah, she's really spiraling. The combination of the Dawson breakup and Gramps dying, is it really sends her off. 
Yeah, that was a one-two punch. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we? Open it up. Let's open it up. Going back to the beginning of the episode, like I already said, I feel like this episode is so cute for Joey and Dawson and they're both, they both play it really cute and it felt very true to life when you have like that first kiss little afterglow, that whole thing felt very, very real to me. But like you said, they're so cute and then they immediately are back on their bullshit. They're both like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? We shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And I'm glad that they didn't stay in that place too long because it was infuriating me for a moment. I agree. They they reminded us that they can be really neurotic and analytical and then they dialed it back and let us live in the, their joy, if you will. Yeah. I thought them waking up in bed was so cute in separate beds. I loved I it. I know. And there was something about when he walked from the boat to her where they were like smiling at each other. It was cute. Yeah. I feel like this is the first episode of the series where I'm like, oh, they're cute, actually. That was one of the moments that I referenced earlier when we were talking about the director where I thought something felt different or if they were trying new shots. It felt very cinema, I thought. The other shot that stood out to me is when at the beginning when they're getting their haircut and they're he's shooting up into the mirror over mm-hmm. their head. Did you notice it? And then they yeah. kind of pan down. Yeah, something I noticed in that episode is the hair, the girl cutting Pacey's hair. Did you notice she kept trying to get Joshua Jackson to like stop (laughs) gesticulating and stop? He's talking and bopping around all the time and she keeps like grabbing onto his head being like, please stop. I have numerous things to say. So the hairdresser trying to get him to, was that was cracking me up. The second thing, do you think that was the show's hair department that was giving them the cuts? Like they were really cutting or do you think those were extras that were cast? I think it was extras. I think that all they're doing is combing the hair and I think that all... If you look at the hair that's on their capes, it's all way too long. It's just like yeah, long yeah, yeah. pieces of blonde hair and long pieces of brown hair. Other thing I had to say is that I frosted my tips. Oh, cool. Because of Pacey. Yeah, super oh, cool. Oh, after this. Yeah, because of this. Wow. Yes. How Very, way, way more subtle than his. Well, you know how like in the 90s, when like people just frosted like the front of the tips. So this was the beginning of my sophomore year. I want to say I didn't do it until like junior year, senior year. Very cool. The power of Dawson's. I mean, if you didn't frost your tips, come on. Were you even I mean, live in the 90s? Just stop. <laughs> Talking more about that intercut scene with Joey and Bessie and Dawson and Pacey. I Yeah, remember- so they're each, they're recounting the night before the kiss and Joey's telling her sister Bessie and Pacey is hearing it from Dawson and they're... Yeah, it cuts back and forth between the two scenes of each of them. And I thought it was so nice to see Joey and Bessie have this like, have this moment where you realize that they don't have a mother-daughter relationship. They truly are sisters and that Joey does have a strong female relationship. Obviously, it's not strictly a friendship, but she's talking to Bessie like Bessie is her friend. Yeah, I agree. It's really cute. It is cute. And last season, I feel like they made a meal in episode nine of Jen being like, I don't have many girlfriends and I don't think you do either. And kind of leading us to believe that Joey only has Dawson and Pacey as a sidekick friend. But she has a little support system that was really cute and nice. Yeah. Dawson and Pacey were amazing as well, obviously. (laughs) Dawson and Pacey were so funny. Just, I don't know, watching two guys gossip like that in the barbershop was really funny. And I like how they 
so they were intercutting the scenes but they were filling in each other's sentences you know mm-hmm. like B- bessie would say to joey like did you you know see his and then Dawes, they'd cut to pacey and he'd be like thingamajig you know they were just they would just cut back and forth and finish each other's sentences and it was really well done i thought very well written very well executed and i mean I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just love Cape Side. I really, maybe I belong in Wilmington. It is so cute. But you know what I noticed in this episode? They have those wow. little like. Oh no, you're going to say like a bug or something. No, 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 no. The little <laughs> outdoor string lights everywhere in town. And I'm like, oh, Dawson's Creek, put those up. If you go to Wilmington, you're going to be so disappointed. You don't like, know that. Where's the string lights? <laughs> you don't know that. You don't know that. But I'm almost certain. <laughs> I'll print out a screen cap of this episode and find exactly where Bessie's car <laughs> broke down and be like, where are the twinkly lights? See? I just love it there. I bet they don't even have a crime rate. They don't. Dawson's house is made of glass. We've talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My God. Do you think that Gail woke up and put on a full face of makeup and then got back into bed? Because she had on a full face of makeup when she tried I... to go down on John Wesley's ship. I think she's just Perfect 24 hours a day. She's Gail Leary. Flawless, except for the infidelity. Gail wakes up super horny. Mitch says, what are you doing? She says, I don't have to be at work till nine. And he says, I have a meeting. I have to shower. And she says, what did she say? Something about being underwater. Basically saying, I can meet you in the shower. And he said, Gail, you know, really aggressively. And she's like, right. Shower. Meeting. Got it. And then he goes to an attorney. And I love this scene. Because when he's sitting there, he's kind of, he's sitting in the lobby of the divorce attorney. We don't know it's the divorce attorney yet. He's sitting in a hallway. He's really discreetly like covering his face. You know, like Cape Side's a small town. They kind of kept that going. And then he walks into an office and then the secretary answers the phone and says, you know, Draper, Draper and Don. Draper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh no, we specialize in divorce. And it was like. So good. So such a. Such a good way to reveal. Such a good way to get information to us. Before Mitch goes to the divorce attorney's office, Gail comes home. She's running late. This is after the bedroom blowjob scene. And before the divorce attorney, she comes home. She's like, oh, I'm sorry about my the date. I'm late. I'm late. And he says, oh, you know, something came up. I have to go. And then we find out later he's at the divorce attorney's. Do you think when he's leaving that scene, we were supposed to think that he was meeting a girl? I think that so she's really hammering home like this isn't this isn't an infidelity thing. And then he kind of implies like, oh, no, I have to be somewhere. I think he's trying to leave her a little worried. Yeah, I didn't know what the intention was, but because he was all dressed up, he was wearing a button down. It was tucked in like he he was I mean, he was obviously dressed for he's going out. He had a weird, you know, obviously being secretive, but and he like sauntered a little bit. Well, Joey isn't going to France. (laughs) joey is not going to france she was lauren conrad before lauren conrad was lauren conrad she chose dawson over france but i mean france will be there yeah as we discussed last season i don't know if she really actually wanted to go to france Hmm. she's not going to france and then they do have a really cute little scene in the hallway where she tells him she's not going to france and then they have this kind of will they won't they have their second kiss moment yes i think now Probably Dawson's scene is a little toxic for like cheering that she stayed and because she's not putting herself first. And he, if he loved her, he should want her to. And yeah, I mean, I think he certainly could have said to her, 
you should go if this is what you want to do you should go he did kind of say that in the finale he he said if rinse makes yeah. you happy i don't know the, the more i watch it and the more ever since you brought that up i really do think she didn't ever really want to go this brings me to jen why are you in school your grandfather's like He's just died nine hours earlier. Like, you could take the day. He's still warm. I know. She's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. I, have to, I should go home. I just can't seem to concentrate today. I'm like, yeah, your grandfather died. Speaking of Jen, yes. her and Grams have that scene at the end where Graham says, oh, I came here tonight and thought previously that maybe Grams wasn't grieving or really you know, feeling the severity or the gravitas of him dying. She kind of moved on very quickly, but she said the reason she came tonight was to feel close to Gramps because that was where their first date was. And I guess just like everyone, Cape Side goes to the Rialto on their first date <laughs> for the last 60 years because yeah. Jen and Dawson, Joey and Dawson, Grams and Gramps. Anyway, Jen said, Jen is saying, you know, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know why I'm here. Graham says, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. And Jen says something like, you know, Grams, I think you might just be the best friend I've got. And you don't and even Grams, like me. <laughs> and Grams says something where, you know, the sentiment is returned. And Jen says, well, if I'm all you got, then I feel sorry for you too. And it's just like, oh, got real dark. <laughs> it's a very, very dark. But Jen is, like we said, she's in her villain era. She's, things are going to get dark. Yeah, she is full she is full spiraling at that moment. She, she. This is and, her origin story. She and Dawson, she go leaves the theater. Dawson goes out to check on her. And she basically says to him, don't start dating Joey. And if you do, hand me the razor blades. No, what she says is, he says, oh, I just want to be friends. And she's like, oh, God, friends. What am I, third wheel? And I think there's a little bit of like, I'm from New York and I'm in Cape Side and I'm a third wheel kind of energy. But then she says, you know, was I anything to you or was I just an obstacle? Was I just a device that was used to get you to realize that you were in love with her the whole time? Because if that's true, don't even tell me. Because if it's true, it'll just send me to razor blades. <laughs> Sheesh. And it was just like, oh, my God. When she started going on the tangent of who am I? I'm here in Cape Side and I don't know anybody and I don't have any friends and you hate me to Grams. I was like, girl, get it together. <laughs> and then when Grams comes up to her at the end after this. She says, oh, look at me, Grams. I'm 16 and I don't even know who I am. 16? Jen, get a grip. I'm 40. I don't know who I am. I have Dawson's <laughs> Creek podcast. Get it together, honey. This is life, baby. Get used to it. But I love villain Jen much more than I like. Because we talked about last season. I thought Jen, she was just being fake and she's trying to be this goody-goody and she's not. I love, like, this is where I start to love Jen and I love her. I think until the end. It's just season one Jen that I don't love <laughs> the interaction the two interactions that pacey has with christy are very weird to me <laughs> like <laughs> she he goes up to her what he doesn't know and what we don't know yet is that andy has told christy that pacey has a heart stripe so he's like mm -hmm. hey i was thinking maybe we could get dinner and a movie tonight and she just goes yeah okay and that's it there's no further discussion Right. And then she comes back later and he's been waiting for her all night and she shows up and she says, I have a boyfriend. I only came here because of your condition. But what changed? <laughs> like, it I know it's so weird. I know it's Christy Livingstone and we don't have to give like a lot of screen time to her or much, you know, real estate to her character development. But like, what changed? She literally? shows up. It looks like she has not brushed her hair in days. And she's like, I can't stay. 
it's my boyfriend and my five-week anniversary, and he's really mad that I agreed to go on a date with you. <laughs> the only reason I came is because Andy told me about your heart stripe. Okay, see you later. <laughs> what? Yeah, Christy just really comes in and says, I have a boyfriend. Sorry. Sorry you're dying. I'm not going on this <laughs> this date with you. But I have diabetes, and I don't <laughs> want people to treat me different because of that. So I thought I would say yes. That line is amazing. <laughs> that line is amazing. I can't treat you any differently because I have diabetes. And Oh, my God. That was so funny. John Feldman. <laughs> this episode was so witty. There were, there were a lot of jokes in this. When Andy said to Pacey, you know, like, Christy Livingstone, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. And he says, I think you should stop barking altogether. Oh, it's so witty. Yeah, there's a little, we haven't really even talked about them at all, but it's pretty much the opposite of a meet cute. Andy crashes into the police cruiser that Pacey has stolen, and they have this interaction where Pacey makes her think that she's going to be arrested. They're very bickery the whole episode. Yes. I love that they're continuing the little runner of Pacey stealing his family's cars. <laughs> yeah. Because this would be another third time he's taken a family car. And he said a few times last season, like, it's it's family. You borrow from family. So I love that they kept that going. Yeah. They just have, they're just so good together. The bickering is so good. Going back into Joey Dawson, Bessie world, I really liked her speech about the second kiss. And how she thinks the second kiss is even more important and she likes it more than the first kiss because the first kiss is passionate and you're just wrapped up in the moment and it happens. But the second kiss is rational and you've had time to think about it and analyze it and like you're really making a decision. I thought that that was really cute. Yes, I totally agree. And that was another cinematic scene, I thought, because they're sitting out at the dock and the sky is reflecting off the water and it was it seemed like a very theatrical scene. Yeah. And then (laughs) Dawson comes up. In his motorboat. This is the first time we're seeing his motorboat. Yes. But yeah, he comes up with his big motor energy. He's wearing a vest. He yes. loves the vest moment. A sweater vest, which admittedly I did wear. I didn't wear the tuxedo vest that we talked about in one or two, but I did wear sweater vests. <laughs> I thought he looked good. And I thought that she looked really pretty. Joey getting ready for the date. I thought she looked cute. Double tank top moment is the 90s TVT. Yeah. I mean, I would say she looked fine. You don't think she looked good? I'd say she looked fine. (laughs) She, Katie Holmes is, I think, gorgeous. Wardrobe-wise, I wasn't, like, blown away. Wouldn't be my first date outfit. But she wore makeup. She doesn't wear makeup a lot. She looked great, but I don't think the clothes were, like, oh. Because you said she looked really good. And I was like, oh. Okay, fine. She looked fine. Joey looked fine. (laughs) I would say Christy Livingstone looked good to hang out with her boyfriend on their anniversary. I think Christy Livingstone needed to run a brush through her hair to hang out with her boyfriend <laughs> on her anniversary. She looked a little road hard and put away wet. Christy Livingstone is 35 and she just came from a frat party. Also, Christy Livingstone has the flattest stomach I've ever seen any human have. I know. Well, she's a cheerleader. Yeah, true. <laughs> the scene where Jen crashes their date was brutal. Okay, we have to get into this. So did you notice all of the pilot and season premiere of season two comparisons? Lay them out for me. So in the series premiere, the pilot, Dawson asks Jen to go to the movies. And then he kind of asks Joey and Mm -hmm. Pacey to make it a group date. And they go to the Rialto to see a movie. Joey is looking at Dawson and Jen the whole time. Dawson and Jen kind of lock hands. 
Joey throws a fit, runs out to the lobby. Dawson and Joey get into a fight in the lobby. So that's Joey kind of being the third wheel of Dawson and Jen's date in the pilot. In this episode, Dawson and Joey are going to the Rialto. There's this whole shot where they're holding hands. They're mm-hmm. doing the whole hand holding. And that reminded me of the shot from the pilot when Joey is watching so closely Dawson and Jen's fingers and hands. Yeah. And then Jen crawls through the movie theater row and crashes their date in third wheels that like Joey did in the pilot. And then Jen and Dawson have a fight in the lobby in this episode like Dawson and Joey had a fight in the lobby in the pilot. So there's all of these parallels. And then I don't know if you remember the cold open of the pilot is Joey saying we start high school on Monday, things are going to get complicated, we're going to have genitalia and we're going through puberty and things are about to get complicated. And he's like, Joe, we're just Dawson and Joe, things don't have to get complicated, you know, and in this episode, Joey is saying, you know, our friendship was complicated, but nothing compared to what this is like bound to be whatever's going on is going to be way more complicated. And his last words to her in the episode are like, this will be easy. You'll see. So there's a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. And we obviously know that Joey was right the first time. <laughs> She's probably going to write the second time because Dawson is too idealistic for his own good. It was frustrating to me that he was just like, no, the whole episode. He's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. But I did yeah. by the end when they're on the swings and he says, it's going to be simple. I really appreciated it because usually he's the one like, working himself into a tizzy and he he just felt very calm and sure about it this was the first episode where he was even though she had made this huge sacrifice for him he was being the most selfless that i think we've seen him where it wasn't all about him it wasn't he didn't spiral into it what about me what about me he was concerned for her and trying to make her feel better and feel good and he put someone above himself also for his benefit baby steps growth (laughs) progress not perfection Something I wanted to talk about was, so in the spring of 1998, when this had aired, Dawson's Creek was on, as we've said, Tuesday nights after Buffy. It was such a big hit, they decided to move it for the fall of 1998 to the anchor position Wednesday at 8 to compete against 9020 on Fox. And so when Joey says to Dawson, after he has her out on a date, she says, oh, I can't, I have to stay in. I heard Luke Perry's on 90210. Dawson's and 902 were kind of going head to head because Dawson's had moved to compete and then 902 got Luke Perry back. So that was like a little inside self-referential cutesy dialogue that the show is known for. Love that. I wrote this down, but it's just a small thing. But I love the way that Gail looks when she confronts Mitch about finding the divorce attorney card. She's like wearing one of his shirts. And a white tank top and jeans. And she just looks amazing. I thought she looked amazing. Yeah. She always looks great. I know, but I guess maybe usually she's like more quaffed in her power suits or whatever she wears on air. It's nice to see her. Yeah. You know what you're saying? It was it was fashionable yet, you know, comfy and everyday. Yeah. <laughs> Living room high fashion. John Wesley ship is so hot. So hot. Just discovered that he had a Partial nude scene on NYPD Blue in the 90s. Yeah, and you shared that with me and I was blown away, to be honest. It was a little butt. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you got to flaunt it, if you have it, flaunt it. While you got it, flaunt it. I mean, flaunt it even after you don't got it. Hopefully someone will appreciate it, but (laughs) while you got it. I'm still working to get it. Just flaunt it. 
you know, no matter what your age, no matter where you are, big cities, small towns, you'll never <laughs> come across small minds, people who think they're better than you. You're reading from your yearbook. That was Joby's Miss Windjammer speech for anyone who doesn't know. We have it memorized. Maybe. I want to know your reaction to Joshua Jackson's Frosted Tips. I think they look good. I think they look really good, honestly. Yeah, they're more like highlights than Frosted mm-hmm. Tips. I felt like they weren't like, but to me... In my high school, frosted tips meant your hair was just kind of orange, like an orange pop. Yeah, like a sun in. Remember people who yeah. their hair with Kool-Aid? Do you remember that? Yeah. What a time to be alive. We were just figuring shit out on the fly. Now kids have <laughs> Brad Mondo and they're like cutting their own hair. Now people have TikTok. <laughs> TikTok taught me everything I know. I think he looked great. And I think Josh, like, I'll be honest, like people reference season one, Joshua Jackson, Pacey Witter, and they're like, he's so sexy and he's so hot. And season one, I'm sorry, I just, I can't get into it. I think he looks adorable. Yeah. Yeah. But now he looks, I mean, he looks like he aged a lot in a good way between seasons one and two. Now I could look at him and be like, oh, he's, yeah, he's good looking. I really liked when he approaches, it's the outfit that he's wearing the entire opening of the episode but when he approaches christy and he has on those like baggy khakis the like Mm -hmm. button up striped shirt i was like oh i see you this is you are the boy i was attracted to in high school yes literally and figuratively yes and what about this little store that andy and pacey are in at the end like how can i go there i know it's It's so cute (laughs) i know well, just go to Wilmington, follow the string lights, and it will lead you to this little cottage core <laughs> bodega that you can go to. I loved when Pacey said, "You could have run over. You could have run over a cat. You could have run <laughs> over a nun." <laughs> what was your first impression of Andy going back to 1999? Like, where were you after this episode? I don't think I gave her much stock because I didn't really realize that she was like a main. I thought she was just kind of. A- character of the week like we've seen yeah in the we past. have so many mm-hmm. i don't think i knew the the severity of the what i was watching so i i don't know if i gave her much stock the first time but i just love andy mcphee so much i really do i just i love her her journey her character her quirkiness her dialogue like what she says how she says it which i know is like more of the actress than the character but i just think she's so good because you have two two female characters who are pretty much doubting themselves kind of constantly like joey and jen and Andy's just crazy quirky Andy. She says that she means it. She has no second thoughts. And I love how everything you need to know about Andy from the her whole three-year journey, you like, no. After this episode, they subtly planted things. She says she has anxiety. She's on medication. It's true, actually. She's a rich family. They live on Country Club Road. You know, she's neurotic. Like you kind of she nice. knows hair care secrets about dying between blonde and brunette. The writers really just told us everything that we needed to know about Andy right off the bat without really telling us. That is a good point and something I didn't pick up on. The only thing they didn't tell us is that she's a brother. I know. I love that we're on season two. I love season two. I love season two, three, four. Same. And I love the Andy years. And I'm just really glad we're here because I think Andy makes she thinks makes things more excited for me and more fun for me. Yeah. I think without her the dynamics that we're working with right now would get stale really fast. Yeah, and I think they were starting to get stale a little bit. But now Andy McPhee is here to save the day. Yes, she is. Let us know, but I think a lot of people don't like Andy or think she's annoying. 
I definitely thought that the first time around, but I've watched it so many times since then that I've grown to love her. Well, if you're watching for the first time, let us know. Please do, because when you're watching her in real time and not knowing what's coming, it's a little bit of a different journey. I think that's it. Do you want to do a creek speak? Let's do a creek speak. We have a message from Elle Carton on Instagram. She said, hi, Christina and Micah. I just want to let you know how much I'm enjoying your podcast. I recently finished listening to a Dawson's podcast and I cannot believe I'm starting another one crying laughing face. But the nostalgia of yours is everything. I was 14 in 1998 and Dawson's quickly became my everything. I would print the scripts and wear my American Eagle sweaters to match Joey and act out scenes in my bedroom. I quit my job at Panera after one day because I worked on Wednesday evening and had to miss the new Dawson's episode. I vividly remember the morning after the pilot aired, my best friend and I riding the bus to school, talking about what we thought Dawson meant by walking his dog, end quote. Oh, the naivete. Anyway, thanks for bringing me back to such a great time. (laughs) I loved that message. And when I read the thing about Panera, I was dying. (laughs) Imagine going in and then being like, actually, I I can't. It's me. I'm sorry. I can't. Well, I can't imagine that because I was like the same way. I used to plan things around like my TV schedule. It's I could 1000 I would 1000% quit Panera to watch the Dawson screen. <laughs> oh, for sure, Panera. but just imagine Panera being like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Didn't you just apply for this job?" <laughs> oh my god, that was an amazing message. I just So good. We definitely would have been friends. Yeah, we all have this common ground. I feel like everyone who loved Dawson's when it aired the first time felt it so deeply. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we were all, you know, it was aspirational and you just projected yourself into those roles. We we wanted to be them. We thought that we were them. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you had that experience, please write in and tell us, tell us what job you quit in order to watch Dawson's Creek. It wasn't Dawson's Creek, but I remember when I went to college in the fall of 2001, that was, I remember it wasn't Dawson's, but it was some show where like, I remember vividly calling my parents and being like, I mean, it's okay, but like, I can't watch blank. And I can't remember what show it was, but we had to watch TV in like the common room on the dorm floor. And if you were in there alone, you could watch whatever you want. But if people came in, you had to like switch it or agree to something. And I remember being really embarrassed of whatever it was. So it must have been some type of soapy thing. And I couldn't really watch it because people were always in that common room. And I remember saying to my parents, like, yeah, like college is fine. But like, I can't watch my shows. It is weird (laughs) to think about that. When I lived in the dorm, so I went to college in 2003. And when I lived in the dorms, we didn't even really have TV. Like we had a TV in our room, but it was connected to the internal television station. Yeah. And I think that that's why we watched Dawson's Creek so much because I had all of the DVDs and we would just watch them over and over and over again because what else were we going to do? I had, I had VHSs, but it was like the stuff I recorded that week, you know, like American Idol was big then. And I remember saying something like that to my mom, like similar to the Panera story. Well, it's just fine, but I probably have to quit because I can't watch my program. <laughs> but I remember my parents saying something like, you know, when are you going to like stop with these shows? Like this is called, you know, this is like a big thing. My mom says that a lot. She always says, I'm really glad that you went into television because it makes me feel not so bad about how much television you watched <laughs> growing up. <laughs> Seriously. Shall we try the new segment? Yes. You had an idea for a new segment. Do you want to explain it? Yeah. So. We got the idea from, there are these TikToks where they basically do a draft. So there's a category like 
you know, best 90 boy band songs. And then each person, they, they alternate picking one. And then they each kind of have a roster of each of their favorites. And we thought that would make a really good segment called Dawson's Draft. And we thought a fitting first category for episode 201 would be best teen dramas. And so we'll each alternate picking one until you have your five and I have my five. And together we'll have what we think are the 10 best teen teen dramas. dramas. If you pick one, I can't pick that one and vice versa. Any show is game. The one rule I said was like, at one point, there needed to be like a high school aged character. Basically, that was like the only rule. So like Melrose Place would be out. Yeah. So who goes first? Rock, paper, scissors. One and done. Her. <laughs> one, one, two, two three. Shoot. Shoot. What? Oh, you got me. You got me. I was <laughs> okay, paper. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you're first. All right. Well, are we, we're keeping Dawson's in. Yeah. It feels like a throwaway pick, but yeah, it's in there. All right, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take Dawson's Creek. That was my number one. (laughs) (laughs) So then I am going to go with, I just have to. It was just such an epic, epic series. I'm going to go with Buffy. Ooh, good one. Just the writing. It was just, it was just crazy. I have to take the summer I turned pretty. It (gasps) is giving me all of the feelings that I want and need it to give to me. It's giving me... Every teen show that I've ever loved, the same feelings that I haven't felt in a really long time. So controversial, but I'm taking it. No, I love it. I just think it still has a lot to prove, but I mean, I love it. You know what? I'm going to go with Friday Night Lights. Oof. Because I wanted it. You know, it was just so gritty and it was different. And I just, I mean, I named my dog after it. How can I not? True. <laughs> Have you ever talked about what your dog's name is on here? No, Riggins. So I named him after Tim Riggins because I got him in Texas. I know it had a flunky season, like a floppy season, but. No, it's I, so good. It I is so watch, good. I watch, I get, I get emotional from the commercial. Like I'll watch promos on like YouTube. Oh, for sure. And it's just like, oh, how did they do that? I'll get, I'll get really get misty. I'm feeling sad now that I didn't pick that. That's what you get. It's what you get for putting your money on the new shiny pony instead of old reliable. Uh, Damn. I am going to take Freaks and Geeks. That was so good. It's so good. It's one that I own on DVD and like rewatch pretty regularly. Just just one perfect season. Yeah, Yeah, it's so good. Would recommend if you have not ever watched. I am going with, it's funny because my first pick was like a supernatural soapy show. And then my second is so grounded. And my third is also so grounded. I'm going to go with my so-called life because again, just like one ep, I think it's 19 episodes, one season, just a perfect season. It was just so, it captured that time. It was so real, so relatable, well-written and Looking back on it now, it's like very hard to, in your 20s and 30s, write a very spot on teen show, yeah. you know, and they really had their finger on the pulse and it was, and it still, it holds up, launched careers. Yeah. It's angsty in all the right ways. It's like really it's angsty. Claire Danes, Jared Leto. For me, that show, anytime I rewatch it, you feel like you're inside the characters more than you're observing them. I don't know. Teen shows, sometimes it can be like, Look at these crazy kids and the situations that they're in. I don't know. It just felt very grounded and real to me. Yeah. I find that a lot of people have never seen it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they kind of think it's 
too old or outdated or it looks too old. So highly recommend. Highly, highly. All right. I'm taking this really seriously. I feel like we're doing our fantasy football draft. <laughs> I mean, it is serious. It's Dawson's draft. I know. I am going to take the OC. <gasps> I love the OC. I was in love with Seth Cohen and... I think that it fell apart there at the end, but overall, a really great show. Did you like Seth more than Pacey? Ooh, no. I think my history of loving Joshua Jackson just kind of bolstered my Pacey love. The OC is strong, and I would be sad if it didn't make it on either of our lists, but I did have a feeling you were going to pick that. I joined OC like very late. I watched it from the beginning, but I watched, I didn't start it from the beginning. I think I like after, yeah. Yeah, I think I started. Yeah, I started season one, I think in the middle of season two, uh, someone had the DVDs, but it was just inescapable during college. It was just like people were just obsessed with that show. And guys and girls, like it wasn't just like a girl's show. Guys loved the OC, like straight guys. Okay. My number four. So I have Buffy Friday Night Lights, my so-called life, and I'm going with obviously Felicity. I mean, hello. How can I not? As we've discussed, I've barely watched any of that show you'll get into it someday it was just so funny so dramatic so everything i'm scared because we each only have one slot left i know (laughs) i'm reviewing my list i hope you pick the one one of my last two there are certain things on my list lingering things that i want to pick more for where i was when i watched them or certain circumstances but I feel like I should pick, I feel like I should pick Everwood. <laughs> that didn't even, I'm shocked. That was yeah, a good show. it was a good show. I don't know why that shocked me. <laughs> I just really liked it when it was on. I thought Gregory Smith was so cute. I did not even clock that Chris Pratt was as right. cute as I think he is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just really liked it when it was on, and that's why I feel like I should pick it because teen me felt a certain way about it. But maybe I'm overthinking it. I loved Everwood at the time. I've just never like I I've never rewatched it. I've, I've never, never rewatched it. it either, and that's why I was hesitating. Part of me mm-hmm. wanted to pick Pretty Little Liars, and that was because of the circumstances under which I started to watch it. I went to visit my cousin. Shout out Jenna and. She was like, hey, have you ever watched Pretty Little Liars? And I was like, no. And she goes, do you want to start it now? And I was like, okay. And we sat on her couch for eight hours straight and watched Pretty Little Liars. And that is my dream scenario for someone to be like, hey, I like this show. Do you want to watch it? Let's binge it right now. That's amazing to me. I love that. I love it. I love it. Why don't we do that anymore? I don't know. It's crazy. I don't think that show is really all that good, though. Like it kept me on the hook and I watched it all the way through, but I just remember being like, what the hell is this? I remember there was a very vivid moment when I jumped off Pretty Little. It just became clear that there was, they were never going to end the A mystery and move on to a new one. And I was like, I can't do this. So this is hard. This is, it's not hard. It's not hard. My number five, I mean, I have to give it to 90210, original Beverly Hills 90210, because come on. Good pick. How can we do a top 10 between the two of us and not Brenda and Brandon, Dylan, Donna Martin graduates. I will say it was very hard for me not to pick Gilmore Girls just because it was so bantery and funny. And just those scripts were like 80, 90 pages. And I can't imagine writing it. And then Veronica Mars was also my runner up because it was just it was a case of the week. And there's a mystery of the season. 
And so like every episode gives you a little bit, a step closer to solving the mystery of the season. I was always shocked at the mystery of the season, even though they had like 20 episodes to play with it. And uh, it was just an impressive series because they did all that stuff. It was teen, it was family, it was big mystery, little mystery. It was like not easy, not an easy show to write, I imagine. So that's it. There's your roster and my roster. To recap, you have Buffy, Friday Night Lights, My Soul Called Life, Felicity, and 90210. That's a strong, strong team. That's strong. I have Dawson's Creek, The Samurai Turned Pretty, Freaks and Geese, The OC. And I think I'm going to call it Pretty Little Liars because that's when I watched more. <laughs> I was going with nostalgia factor and how it felt in the moment, but I think I need to go with Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Oh my God. We, we didn't, neither of us picked Gossip Girl. It's fine. It's our first Dawson's draft. There'll be other categories. This is like the big boom. Yeah. Series. Top series. So what you watching? Well, I feel like we need to take this episode's What You Watching to talk about The Summer I Turned Pretty. Yes, we do, because season two recently ended. I know that we touched on the parallels between the show and Dawson's in The Bobbies, but it's so good. It gives you every element of Dawson's that you loved. The music is out of this world. The music is better. The music is better. Well, I mean... The original Dawson's music really hit at the time. I know, but there wasn't Taylor then. <laughs> well, I see. You mean music has been elevated to a point that we could not even compare. I don't know how music licensing works, but how do they get all of these Taylor songs? It is crazy. Their budget has to be astronomical. But there are some episodes where they're using two Taylor songs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on season two without spoiling too much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try to speak more generally about it, but I loved it. I mean, you knew after season one, there was kind of an established love triangle, will they, won't they situation, which is obviously a parallel to Dawson's. And I don't know, I was all in. I was all in from the start. The first couple of episodes, they do a lot of time jumping and it really worked for me. I thought it was great. I loved it. I think the quality dipped a little bit the season in the middle, but the last two or three episodes were really, I really think they bounced back. Certainly, I still enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoy a lot of stuff and just so good. For all the reasons we say, wholesome, relatable, a great show. 100% recommend if you have not watched it and you are a fan of Dawson's Creek, you should watch this show. Like, I do think it's really corny and cheesy, but, you know, I, oh, mean, yeah. I like having those shows. I don't like, I don't need everything to be so cutting edge and edgy. And I told my mom and her friend to watch it last year, season one, because I just loved it. And they were looking for something new to watch. And there is a storyline about moms who are friends. And I told, I just told them that season two was out, had just ended. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They definitely felt like it was like a teeny bopper show. Yeah. I was like, whatever, mom, you don't get it. Yeah. I watched the season two finale with my mom and she was like, wait, they're brothers? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I like how I call it the Twilight formula because in Twilight one, they wanted you to be team Edward. And then mm -hmm. in Twilight two, they wanted you to be team Jacob. So I think in season one of the summer I turned pretty, they wanted you to be a certain team. And then in season two, I think they want you to be a certain team and it's a different team than the one in season one. So, But I do think I, they did a really good job of not, you, you don't turn so hard against the other person. They leave the door open enough that the people who are on that team can still remain on that team. 
there's a case to be made for both of them. I like when things do that. And I remember watching when I watched Fifty Shades of Grey part two, I was like, wait, they didn't do the, who's the second? (laughs) They just went all in on, you know. You thought all cinema from here on out was going to use the Twilight formula? (laughs) I don't, because Fifty Shades of Grey like evolved from Twilight, you know, fanfic or whatever they say. Can't recommend the show enough, but I certainly give it a little disclaimer. It's a little cheesier. It's a little cornier, but you know, I think that's okay. And I also think if you're a fan of Dawson's, you kind of like that. Listen, percent. You won't be a fan of Dawson's and then be like, what is this? (laughs) There's been a lot of articles recently in like TV line and Yahoo and stuff comparing like Dawson's to the summary term pretty and Conrad to Dawson and Jeremiah to PC. Really? There's been both. I have it so bad for Conrad. I don't know what it is. So we've talked a lot about this, how when we watched Dawson's at the time, you know, like you were very into Joshua Jackson. And yeah, when I watched Summer I Turned Pretty, obviously, as a 40 year old, that is not something I'm registering, like which brother is more attractive. Or... Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm almost really not on a team. I really feel like I'm just kind of watching this as a spectator sport, kind of see how it unfolds. My main thing the entire time is watching and being like, how do they make Belly out to not be a monster? I'm like, how how is this going to play out? I'll be honest. I don't think Belly plays both sides, but there are so many like TikToks and things of just like people are just destroying her. We might have to credit the actress for me on this, but I think Belly is just so likable and sweet. And I never think she's doing that. I think that she is just kind of following her gut and her heart and she doesn't know what she wants. I don't know. It's a great show. Would recommend. Well. Wait, quick congrats to Jess, who we referenced in the Bobbies. She did have a baby. It was a boy. She did not take any of our name suggestions. Congrats to her. I hope she still listens. I hope she's not like overwhelmed with mom's stuff that she forgets what's important. Also, I have a present for you to kick off season two. I thought perhaps I might see you as you were just visiting pennsylvania but we didn't so i'll mail it to you but i'm going to show it to you right now can you see it (gasps) i love it how'd you get it online it's a it's an ice house shirt oh my god it is the shirt that joey wears when she works at the ice it It is from bird and co on etsy b-y-r-d and co on etsy and actually i specifically went searching for an ice house shirt because i was like i need an ice house shirt and micah needs an ice house shirt I do need it. But I just went to look up Bird and Co. And I saw, I was like, oh, I should have gotten him this. They have Capeside High School Class of 2001 t-shirts. Oh my God. You need We that. need those. I'll get, I'll get you that one. Well, that is it. We're back. We're back, baby. Season two. Season two. I love this episode. Please watch it. Like, you know, some people are not watching. Some people are watching before the podcast episode. Some people are watching after. Some people are watching only certain episodes. It's a strong one. It's going to set the tone for the whole season. I feel like you got to watch this one. You should Definitely. watch this one. It's got everything. There was just a weird feeling in the air in the fall, like that first week of school, back mm. to school. It was such a weird, palpable feeling. I thought this episode did a good job capturing that, you know, that excitement. Even though they've been in school for quite some time. We're picking up in the middle of their year. I know. It's not the first day of school, but it's Andy's first day of school. That was something that I remember people being confused about because season one, they say that they're sophomores and then they're in high school for four seasons, but it's because they're in sophomore year, season one and season two. So what shall we drink next week? 
next week is episode 202 crossroads and we will be drinking your favorite jack daniels whiskey cocktail for me it will be a jack and ginger you can go jack and coke you can go jack on the rocks you could go a shot of jack you can do jack however you want to do jack obviously you'll find out why next time i'm sure most of you know those of you have seen it why that's the drink but i'm really glad we're back summer is winding down summer is over though honestly i think it's just going to be hot through october but i'm glad the pod is back i love season two and i'm so excited really looking forward to it can't wait for next week we'll talk to you all then bye, bye.